Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. It uh, feels weird to not say Nehemiah after the last 13 weeks, but uh, Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to be at this morning. Very first book in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a chair somewhere around you. Um, if you don't own a Bible or have access to one, we'd love to give you one. Just stop by the guest or the information table on your way out, and we'd love to put one in your hands. All right? Um, show of hands, interactive start this morning. How many of you would self-identify as being tired and in need of some measure of rest? All right, now keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Have you ever seen this many hands up in a Baptist church? No, you have not, all right? We just got border, you can put them down now, we just got borderline Baptocostal in here. Hey, Listen, you guys got an extra hour of sleep last night. Why are you tired? All right. How many of you guys, another show of hands, knowing you would get an extra hour of sleep, you were just like, no, I'm just going to stay up an hour later. Anybody do that? A few of you? Okay, great. Um, so here's a, here's a deal. Uh, we all can kind of relate to this idea of being tired, right? Fatigued, worn out, exhausted. Um, usually when somebody asks me how I'm doing, well, my first response is like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. Because um, that's what men do. And then if it's a really good friend that will actually press a little bit and be like, how are you really? My first response is almost always, I'm tired. Right? I, it's just life. Right? I got four kids. Um, I mean, it's just, just fatigued all the time. That's what I feel like. I've hit that dad status where like, if I sit down somewhere for more than seven minutes, there's a good chance I'm falling asleep. Right? Anybody, all the dads in the room are like, yes. I'm there, okay? Um, but, but here's the deal. Like, we are a tired people. Right? You just admitted to that, right, that, that you're tired. Um, but, like, even, like, outside of here, like, just the society around us, like, we're just tired. Now, Zach shouldn't be tired because he just got back from, like, a month of sabbatical. But the rest of us are tired, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a shot. That was, un, that was friendly fire, my bad. Um, like the rest of us are just tired, right? We're, like we're exhausted, we're worn out. Uh, that's true across a variety of levels, whether it's like we're physically uh, fatigued, we're, we're mentally tired, we're uh, emotionally worn out, we're even like spiritually exhausted, okay? And so it's into this sort of restlessness that I think all of us feel on some level. Right, regardless of how you came in here this morning, it's into this sort of restlessness that, that Jesus is going to extend an invitation right, to, the, to the one thing, to the one thing that most of us in this room here just identified uh, that, that we could use, right, some rest, but as try as we might, like, it's elusive. It's hard to find. Okay? So with that said, let's look at Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read it. First, and then we'll, then we'll jump in, all right? Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Familiar passage if you have a background in church. If you don't have a background in church, perfectly fine. Glad you're here. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. All right. Father, we come to you this morning and Lord, many of us come into this place this morning just exhausted across a variety of, of levels. There's, we're physically tired. Like some of us just need a nap. <laughs> we're, some of us are mentally exhausted. There's a million things on our mind, things that we left undone from last week, things that, that we are not looking forward to dealing with this coming week. Um, emotionally, Lord, we, there's some of us in this room that are just emotionally tired, whether it's family issues at home or work issues or relational issues or, or just whatever. There's, there's things that weigh heavy on our hearts this morning that, that have left us just sort of um, tired in the, the deepest parts of our hearts. And then, Lord, some of us in here this morning are spiritually tired. Like we come in here maybe just keenly aware of our brokenness. Just maybe something happened this week that has reminded us of just how far we, we have left to go, that we're, that we're still not as far along as we should be at this point in our, our walk. And so we come in here, this place, in a lot of different, fatigued and tired and exhausted and drained in a lot of different ways. And my prayer this morning is that you would meet us here or that we would like, actually believe that you're inviting us to find rest, rest for our souls. So Lord, would you meet us here in this place this morning um, through your word, by the power of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So verses at hand, right, the, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus' invitation to rest, this thing that like all of us would probably say we need in some capacity. Like Jesus' invitation to rest begins first with an invitation not to rest, but an invitation to himself. Right? That's how it starts. He says, Come to me. Right? That's not an invitation to some sort of performance. That's not an invitation to some sort of program. That's not an invitation to some sort of philosophy. That's not an invitation to some sort of doctrine or uh, some uh, tribe or, or, or po theological position. That's not an invitation to some sort of denomination. Most of those things are good and right, uh, and, and we would do well to consider them more than we do. But first and foremost, before anything else, right, before Jesus is going to give us any sort of instruction at all, the very first thing he invites us to is himself, right? It's like, like everything else that he's about to say hinges on this. Jesus saying, come to me, right? This is an invitation to a person. His name is Jesus, okay? But the next Jesus goes on from there and he gives some conditions and qualifications for the invitation, right? Look at verse 28 again. He says, come to me. Here's, here's what he says, all who are labor, who, who labor, I can't even read, 
all who labor and are heavy laden. Right? The, maybe your translation, I don't know what you're looking at in front of you, some translations would, would phrase that as being um, weary and burdened. And so when Jesus extends this invitation, hey, come to me, he's extending it specifically to those who are weary, burdened, right? who labor and are, are heavy laden. And in the context here, Jesus is referring specifically to um, the, like when he talks about being heavy laden or uh, the, the labor, he's re- referring specifically to the Old Testament law. Okay, so if your first five books of the Bible is full of a bunch of, hey, here's rules and laws that the people of God were expected to keep. And in context here, in, in the first, uh, this first book, the New Testament, um, the religious rulers of the day, I mean, they're Pharisees and scribes and just some of these different religious leaders. They, they would take this law and they would sort of heap it on the people, right? They would say, hey, do this, don't do that, get this area of your life cleaned up, right? Get that area of your life in order. And then if you do that, right, if you do that perfectly, if you get it put together, if you perform uh, up, up to the standard, then God will approve of you, he will accept you, he will love you, good luck. All right, that was the kind of the, the burden that they would heap on, onto the people. All right, and so, so here's what Jesus says specifically about these religious leaders. Matthew 23, verse 4, he says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So they take all these like 600 plus laws in the Old Testament and they heap them on the people and they say, be better, try harder, do more, right? And that was exhausting right? because what it happens is that you get these religious, uh, kind of the religious rule keeping, like that's an exhaustive thing to do, right? Because the, the standard was impossible. They would never perform well enough. Right? They would never keep all of those laws Perfectly. Even those who made the laws and were heaping the laws on the people, they didn't keep the laws perfectly all the time. Or if they did keep them, they missed the heart behind the laws entirely. Right? So this is like an, an impossible standard. And so the result was you've got a people and an audience receiving this word that were weary, burdened, heavy laden, exhausted because they could not live up to this standard. Try as they might. Try as they might, they, they could not work their way into God's approval. They could not work their way into rest, and they would never be able to do so. Right? They'd never be able to do so. So this was, this invitation from Jesus, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, is an invitation to people who were so exasperated by their own inadequacies and their own insufficiencies that they were on the brink of despair. And so Jesus comes with a kind of a, a breath of fresh air. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened or all who labor and are heavy laden, okay? Now, that sort of religious rule keeping as a way to appease God and make him happy with you, it's still very much a thing today. Right? Maybe some of you have some experience with that. I don't know what your, your background is. Maybe you grew up in a family that kind of Keep some of those burdens on you, like be better, try harder, do more. Maybe you grew up in a faith community uh, that would kind of 
sort of holds you to those legalistic standards. And when I say legalism or legalistic, that's the idea that you can obey your way into the kingdom of God, right? That you can, you can follow all the rules enough to where God will look at you and be like, oh, hey, you're doing a pretty good job. I love you. I accept you. I approve of you. Get on in here. Right? Maybe you grew up in a, a faith community where that was a thing or um, maybe like just your own sort of like lack of understanding of what it means to really live in relationship with Jesus kind of has you on that treadmill. Like you're here, maybe you're here this morning and you still kind of think like, I've got to obey enough. I've got to try hard enough. I've got to be good enough. I've got to perform well enough so that God looks at me and, and my scales are kind of like, I do more good than bad. And then he'll be like, good for you. You're in. Right, maybe that's Maybe that's you this morning. And if you are here this morning, that's kind of your way of thinking things. I'm really glad you're here this morning. I think this is hopefully going to be a really good morning for you, okay? But, but I want to zoom out from just kind of the religious rule keeping. I mean, there's, that's an aspect of this. But, but to kind of make a wider application, um, th- this sort of being burdened and heavy laden and, and weary extends even beyond or outside of just keeping a bunch of rules, okay? Because uh, if you just look at kind of the lives that we live, the culture we live in, uh, there is no shortage of idols that we will uh, look to and, and functionally worship, give ourselves over to, throw our money at, throw our time at, throw our resources at, believing that if we could just reach the next level of whatever that thing is, that we would be content, we'd be happy, we would find rest, right? If we could just get that promotion, then I could finally rest, right? If I could just get to that magic number in my bank account, then I could, right, then I could let off the gas a little bit and rest, right? If I could just have that house of my dreams, right, the one that's on HGTV, the one that, like, the couple that uh, he's a stay-at-home dad and she is, like, a part-time convenience store worker and their budget for their house is 1.5 million. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't understand that world at all. But anyways, right, if I could just drive that car, right, if I could just get my kids to obey, if I could, I mean, we could go on, right? If I could, if I could just look like I did at 25, if I could just look like he or she does now, right? If, if I could just grow my church to X number of people, I mean, we've all got these things that we look to, and we're like, if I could just get there, then I could rest. Right, then, I could, then I could find some sort of like comfort for this longing in my soul. And, and it's in this pursuit of career or money or status symbol or the perfect family or the perfect figure or keeping up with the Joneses or, or whatever. Like, it's like we exhaust ourselves because try as we might, we can't get there. Right? Or even worse, we do get there, and what happens is when we get there, we, feel like we realize this is not as satisfying as I thought. I still can't rest here. And so then it's, I guess I have to level up to the next thing. Right? And it's an exhausting cycle, an exhausting cycle. And so back to the point here. Jesus' invitation here is not to those who have, like, hit the pinnacle. It's not to those who have arrived, right? Jesus' invitation is not to those who are out there like grinding and killing it. 
You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus' invitation is extended specifically to those who are weary from their labor. They still find themselves burdened by, by the weight of, of not measuring up, of not reaching that level that they feel like they should reach. Right? More explicitly, Jesus' invitation is extended to those who don't have it together at all. Right? And not only do they not have it together at all, they've come to the realization that they may never have it together. And yet to those people, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. To say it maybe a little more provocatively, it's actually your not having it all together that qualifies you to receive Jesus' invitation. Like, isn't that like refreshing? Like in every other area of life, like in order to get the invitation, you have to qualify in some positive sense. All right, you got to get this level of monthly sales or annual sales. You've got to get this certain GPA or um, you've got to know the right people if you want to get the invite. You got to qualify in some positive way. And yet here, Jesus, like, Jesus is actually saying it's your inability to qualify that actually qualifies you. Right, that, like, that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. It's in this upside-down kingdom that, that Jesus is ushering in here, Matthew chapter 11. So, verse 28 goes on. So he says, Come to me, it's an invitation to himself, all who labor and are heavy laden. And look at what Jesus says to those who, who do come to him with all of their burdens and all of their baggage. He says, And I will give you rest. Couple things I want you to see. One, notice the promise. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not I might give you rest. It's not I'll consider giving you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Done deal. For all who would come and lay their burdens down at Jesus' feet and say, like, I can't do it on my own. Jesus says, I will give you rest. And then second thing I want you to see, notice that rest is received. Right? Jesus says, I will give you rest. Not you have to earn your rest. Right? It is like rest is given to you by the one that's inviting you into it. All right, now let's keep moving. Verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So here Jesus introduces this image of a yoke. Many of you, I know we, this is kind of a rural area here. Uh, many of you may know what a yoke is, but just in case you don't, uh, a yoke was like this wooden, this really heavy wooden bar, wooden beam that was laid across the back of uh, of oxen or livestock, and you would hook a harness to it, and that harness would then pull like either a cart or probably uh, more commonly pull a plow when they were out working in the fields, right? So there's a, the yoke that Jesus refers to here was like, it's a heavy tool used for hard work, okay? So this is a little bit of like whiplash, what in the world it just happened? Because Jesus just said, hey, 
If you are burdened and tired and weighed down from working hard and never arriving, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he immediately follows that with, come to me, then take this heavy instrument used for hard work, put it on your shoulders, learn from me, and then you'll find rest for your souls. Right? Doesn't that feel like a little bit of a contradiction? I mean, Jesus just offered me rest, promised me rest, and now he's saying, uh, take on this instrument that was used for hard work. Right? It feels like a contradiction. So is Jesus just like pulling a bait and switch here? Or right? is it one of those things where like the invitation felt good, and then like you actually got there, and you're like, this is not at all what I expected. Like one of those invitations to check out a timeshare type thing, you know what I'm saying? They, they send this invitation to get you in the room, and you're like, this is awesome. I'm going to get a free steak dinner out of this. And then you sit there for seven hours while they try and talk you into investing all of your life savings into this thing, right? So is that what Jesus is doing here? Like, what's going on, okay? Um, and to make sense of this, here's what I think is really important to understand. The kind of rest that Jesus is inviting us to is not passive rest. You know what I mean by that? Like when Jesus is going to offer us rest, he's not saying, come to me and I will give you rest and then you can kick your feet up and you don't really have to do anything anymore. I mean, that sounds awesome, okay? That's just not what Jesus is offering here, right? The rest that he's offering goes, goes deeper than that, right? His, Jesus's invitation is, again, to come out from under the burden, in, in context, out from under the burden of, of legalism, Again, this idea that you earn and maintain your acceptance before God. He's saying, he's inviting you out from under that. But um, so <clears throat> the, the law that he's inviting them out from under, it was, it was never meant to be the thing that, that brought them into a right relationship with God. Right? The, here's what the law was. MRI, CT scan, if you ever had any of those done. Right? They, they reveal what's wrong with you. That's what the law does. It's a diagnostic scan so that when you take, this is my life, this is the law, oh my goodness, I don't measure up to this at all. Right? It reveals what's wrong with you. That's what, the law, that's what the law did then. That's what the law still does now. Right? The law is not a bad thing. Jesus showed up on the scene and he's like, hey, I didn't come to like abolish or get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. So the law's good. The law has zero ability to save you. Just none. Right? It's like, again, the MRI, the CT scan, you go and get one of those. Like if, you, like, if they found something significantly wrong with you and you were like, I'm fine, I got the CT scan. You're not going to be healed because a CT scan doesn't heal. An MRI doesn't save you. The law doesn't save you. What it does is points you to your need for a savior. And so Jesus here is, he's talking about the law, coming out from the legalism. So Jesus' invitation, come to me, is an invitation to the only thing that really can save you. Right? Jesus' invitation, come to me, is an invitation to the one who has already earned your salvation for you, who maintains your salvation through your ongoing faith in him. 
Right? So, so you and I are not saved by our poor attempts at law keeping because we're all pretty terrible at it. Hopefully we get a little better as we move along, but we still like sin and stumble in many ways. So, so Jesus' invitation here is to come out from under the law to the one who actually provides healing and salvation. Right? So, so we want to wholeheartedly reject the legalism at play here. But what Jesus is doing here, when he says, take my yoke upon you, he's like, imagine there's a road here. Okay, we're on a road together. One side, there's a ditch on one side that's legalism, this belief that you could earn your way into God's kingdom that you have to obey to keep yourself in. Right, that's one side of the ditch. But then there's another ditch on the other side of the road that says, I don't, all I got to do is show up, get my get out of hell free card, and then I'm fine. I don't have to do anything else. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, hey, I'll give you rest. Also, you're going to have to take my yoke upon you. It's Jesus keeping us, them and us, from falling into the other side of the road. He's saying, yes, I'm going to give you rest, right? but, but there's going to be some things required from you as you walk and live with me. Right? It's the, the word here, learn. Like Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's a very similar word to what Matthew later uses in the 28th chapter when he says, hey, go therefore and make disciples. A right? different version of, of kind of a similar word. So really what Jesus is saying here is it's a call to discipleship. Right? He's saying, take my yoke upon you become my disciple, live as my disciple, follow me and my teachings and my example as my disciple. Okay? And so living as a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that like there's no more work to do. It just means it's a different kind of work. It's not a work that earns you anything from God. It, it's work that, that flows out of a relationship with Jesus. So when we take Jesus' yoke upon us, it, it doesn't mean there's no work, but, but his work is manageable. Right? It, like we can actually do it. That's the point of verse 30 where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, and the reason, the reason that, that Jesus can say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, the reason that you and I can actually find rest when we like come under his yoke is because obedience to his commands are for our good. Right? They're for our good. Now, the world would have you not believe that. Right? And that's the same lie that's been going since Genesis 3 when the serpent showed up uh, and convinced Adam and Eve that God was somehow restrictive, that he couldn't be trusted, that he's withholding good things from them. It started in Genesis 3. It's still going on today, this belief that, that these laws and rules are somehow restrictive and God's just like a cosmic killjoy that's keeping us from enjoying the good life. No, what the law is, or that what these, the commands of Jesus are, are the way like, to experience and live the good life. It's for our good. It's for our joy. It's for our flourishing and ultimately the point here is that it's for our rest right true rest it's not, I'm, again I'm not talking about surface level I'm tired 
and I don't really want to do anything kind of rest. I'm talking about the rest that Jesus talks about here is rest for your soul. And you want to experience rest for your soul. It's found in, in living in accordance with Jesus' commands, taking his yoke upon you, learning from him, living as his disciple. Right? So, like, that kind of rest is, is found when we just come into alignment with, with his way of life. Right? The life he exemplified, the life that he calls his disciples into. Okay? So Jesus invites us to himself. Right? He commands us to take his yoke upon us. Okay, but then here's, here's what makes Christianity different from every other major world religion. Right? Is it's the one who commands us to take his yoke upon us. All right? the, one who, the, the one who commands us to this life of discipleship and following him is also the one that, that actually enables us and empowers us to do it. Right? He doesn't say, like, do all these things in your own strength, good luck. That's not what it means to take on the yoke of Jesus. Right? Every other world religion is some combination or some, something around the idea of uh, achieving or earning your way uh, to some certain level so that you appease whatever false god or entity that you are trying to appease. Right? To earn your way into to this God's good graces. That's every other major world religion. Right? It's, it's the, whatever the, the, the God is, the false God, little g God, like dropping a ladder from whatever eternal life is, saying like, work your way up. Good luck, watch the first step. And that's not Christianity. Right? Christianity is a story of, of Jesus condescending, coming down. Right? That's Christmas. It's almost Christmas time. I was in Dollar General yesterday. They were playing Christmas music. And I was like, it's too soon. It's too soon. Sorry, squirrel. Um, <laughs> like Christianity is different from every other world religion in that the one who, who invites us to follow him into this life of discipleship also gives us the resources to be able to do that. Like we, we, we don't do that in our own power, in our own strength, our own ability. Like we're tapping into his grace, his power, his strength, right? It's walking with Jesus, taking his yoke upon us, learning from him, living as his disciple. It's in relationship with him that he actually gives us what we need to live that out, right? It's, the Bible says say this way, those whom he calls, he also equips, right? The, the Lord's not gonna call us to a life that, and just count on us to like do it in our own power. That's not what's going on here. Right? Those that Jesus invites, he also empowers. Okay? Jesus doesn't say, take my yoke upon you, good luck. Right? To, to keep with the imagery, Jesus is like in the yoke with us. Right? That's what some commentators would say of this text. This idea of a yoke was typically would be two animals, and that's kind of the idea here. Right? That, that we're, and we're working, we're following Jesus, we're learning from him, we have his yoke on us, and he's right there with us, helping us along the way. 
All right, so before we land the plane, and before we land the plane, there's, there's one phrase I have purposely skipped over. We haven't touched yet because I want to save the best for last, and I'm convinced this is like the best part. Right? So zoom out. The Gospels. First four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All record sort of the, the, uh, the narrative account of Jesus' life and ministry. From his birth to his death, ultimately his resurrection and ascension into heaven. Kind of the life and ministry of Jesus recorded in these four books. 89 chapters, over 3,700 verses, and only one time, only one time in all of that does Jesus sort of say, hey, you want to know what I'm really like? You want to know what my heart is? This is it. He makes plenty of identity statements, right? I'm the son of God. I'm, uh, he considers himself equal with God, right? He's announced himself as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So plenty of identity statements. But the only time Jesus ever says, hey, let me, like, let me peel back the layers here so you can see what I'm really like, what my heart is towards you, is in verse 29. Only time. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. The only time recorded in the Gospels that Jesus says, here's what I'm most like. Gentle and lowly. In other words, he's approachable. He's accessible. And here's... Um, there, there's a great book, if you're into reading, a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I could not recommend it enough. I think it's going to be one of those books like Christians are still reading 100 years from now, being like, that book was amazing. Um, but here's what he writes. He kind of describes this idea of Jesus being gentle and lowly. Here's what he says. He says, Jesus is not trigger happy. He is not harsh. He is not reactionary. He is not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. And the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And it's not just an idea. This is not just some author like writing a book. You know, he's got to make a word count, so he's just adding stuff to the book. Like you look at the pages of Scripture, the, new, the, the, the Gospels we just talked about, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the people that are most drawn towards Jesus, right, the people that, that seem to have no problem just kind of throwing themselves at Jesus, sinners, tax collectors, the sexually broken, the sick, the poor and destitute, the unclean, the outcasts. The people who every other area of society would have said, you're not welcome here, you don't belong here, please leave. And Jesus' heart towards them was, come to me. Come to me. I'm gentle and lowly. Now, I've got to hold these things in tension. Because here's the other truth. Same author also says this, that 
gentle and lowly is not who Jesus is towards everyone indiscriminately. And maybe you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That feels uncomfortable. All right, hang with me. All right, there, there is some measure of exclusivity here. Right, because Jesus is only gentle and lowly towards those who come to him and who cry to him for help and who take his yoke upon them. Right, because those who do not respond to Jesus' invitation, those who, who see Jesus saying, come to me, and they're like, mm, no thanks, not interested. Right, those who do not respond to Jesus' inv invitation will not encounter Jesus as gentle and lowly. They will encounter Jesus as he shows up on the scene in Revelation 19, which is just like, probably going to preach on that later this year, just a heads up. Um, here's, what, here's how Jesus shows up in Revelation 19. With a sword, with a robe dipped in blood, with a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, followed by the armies of heaven to execute justice and vengeance and pour out all of God's wrath on the enemies of God. And who are the enemies of God? Those who refuse Jesus' invitation. Those who hear and see Jesus saying, come to me. And who are like, I can't really be bothered with that. So, here's the invitation to you this morning. In light of that, is to come to Jesus. Right? Like, I don't even have to do any application this morning because, like, it's in the text. Jesus tells us what to do. Come to me. So that's our response this morning. Come to Jesus. Right? Now, maybe, again, I don't know you, all of you. Maybe that's you need to come to Jesus for the first time. Right, if you're here this morning, if you've never turned from sin, you've never trusted in Jesus, coming to Jesus is the only response that makes sense for you this morning. Not try harder, not be better, not get that thing cleaned up and then you'll come to Jesus. That's not how this works. Jesus says, come to me. We come to him. And then as we walk like, with him under his yoke, we learn from him. He does the work of cleaning everything up. So if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, that's the invitation to you this morning. Come to Jesus. Believe on the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life. Right? Now, for many more of us here, maybe we need to come to Jesus not for the first time, but maybe it's for the 5,000th time. Right? And, and again, I'm not talking about salvation. Right? If you, listen, if you have truly placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, like salvation is yours. You are no more, no less secure in Jesus Christ five, 10, 50 years after you than after the moment you first believed, if you truly believed. What I'm talking about here is, is coming back to Jesus. Because maybe you've, like, you feel the weight of your own sin. You, you feel what it is to be uh, weary and heavy laden. Maybe it's your own sin. You're just reminded of this morning, like, gosh, I just can't 
I can't handle this on my own. Come to Jesus. Or maybe you've tried to find peace and satisfaction or that all elusive rest in a number of other things other than Jesus. And the response for you this morning is to come to Jesus. It's, it's repentance. It's turning from what you're pursuing and turning back to the one who says, hey, I, I'm here. I give you rest. I've been here the whole time. Haven't gone anywhere. Come to me. Right? As, as one of the authors I read this week put it, here's, here's what he says. He says, the whole Christian life is boiled down to two steps. Two steps, entire Christian life. One, go to Jesus. Two, see step one. Like, that's the Christian life. See, right? So, here's what we're going to do. One of the ways that we do that, one of the ways that we come to Jesus or we go to Jesus over and over and over again uh, is through the receiving of the Lord's Supper. Okay, this, here on these tables, there's a stale cracker. And it's supposed to be that way. It's, I can't go into that, right? Uh, it's a cracker. It's a cup. And that represents Jesus' body broken for you, Jesus' blood shed for you. So, if you're here and you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then this is one of the ways that you're invited to, to come to Jesus all over again. Be reminded of the great lengths that he went to to remove the burdens that you feel. Right, so here in just a minute, when the band plays, come, grab these, take them back to your seat. We'll receive them all together as a church family um, in just a few minutes, all right? So, so that's for those who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, or maybe you're just like, I'm not sure, then here's what I would say. I would actually encourage you not to come grab these. Not because I want you to feel like excluded, n nothing like that at all, okay? Um, it's just the Bible actually warns against receiving this in an unworthy manner, which is if, if you've never believed in Jesus Christ, you've never trusted in his life, death, resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, then you, you, like, you just shouldn't receive this yet, okay? But rather than feel excluded, what I hope you'll receive that as, that sort of warning is, it's like, this is a step I need to take. This is a response that, that I need to follow through with, to trust in, in Jesus. Okay, and so that's your, your first your, and most important invitation this morning is to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him. So if that's you this morning, right? I, again, I would say don't come grab these, but before you leave today, myself or any number of us in this room would love to talk to you more about what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? So that one day down the road, you come and you come grab these elements as well, all right? So I invite you to stand with me. I'm gonna pray for us. As the band plays, you can come and grab those. And again, just hold those in your seat and we'll receive them all together here in just a moment, okay? Let's pray. Father, we come to you uh, in this moment and are just grateful for your invitation to come to you. Lord, for those in this room that uh, maybe have never responded to that invitation this morning, I pray that today would be the day. I pray that they would turn from sin and turn from the pursuit of any number of things and that they would place their faith and trust in you as Savior and Lord.
Father, I know even in this moment, the, the enemy would try to work to, to discourage that. The enemy places thoughts in our minds like, I can't let anyone know that, or I'm embarrassed by that. God, I just pray that you would remove that right now. So that if there's anyone here in this room that like, needs to step into that this morning, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to seek out myself, to seek out someone around them, that we would, or that we would um, be able to share with them the good news of the forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life and, and how we lay hold of that this morning. But then for the many more in this room, Lord, that we have done that, I pray that, that this will be a time for us to think, to consider, to reflect, to be reminded um, that, Lord, that we are heavy laden and that no amount of labor or work is going to earn us your acceptance and your approval but that in receiving the Lord's Supper, we'd be reminded that we don't have to earn your approval because Jesus has earned it for us through his broken body, through his shed blood, and through faith in him, his perfect record, his perfect righteousness is accounted to us. So Father, I pray that we'd be reminded of that as we receive these elements this morning. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.